Hello, everyone, and welcome to Surveillance Report 64, where we are dedicated to keeping you private and secure with the latest news. This report will recap some of the most notable events in the last week, like some important news about Amazon, some new services from DuckDuckGo and Brave, separately, to better help protect your privacy, and something that privacy advocates like myself have long predicted finally coming true. I am Nathan from The New Oil. Henry is away on adventures this week again, but rest assured he will be back possibly sooner than you think. This week, our affiliate link that we're going to highlight is going to be Trezor, which is a hardware wallet for your cryptocurrency. You guys hear us talk every week about how different exchanges get attacked and everybody loses all their Bitcoin. So don't let that happen to you. We always say don't keep your cryptocurrency in an exchange, keep it offline. And the best method of offline is a hardware wallet. Trezor is one that Henry and Techlore fully recommend. We have a link for it and it is a pretty secure way to keep your cryptocurrency safe. Definitely look into that if you are interested in cryptocurrency and have not settled on a solution yet. Or if you have settled on a solution and your solution is to just leave it in the exchange, definitely don't do that and look at Trezor while you're trying to find a better solution. With that, we're going to go ahead and launch into our data breaches. First up, we have an update from last week. Last week, we talked about Void Balaur, I, I'm sorry, somebody said how to pronounce it and I've already forgotten. They're an attacker group and they were selling access to various email inboxes. And one of the inboxes they were selling access to was ProtonMail, which kind of confused me because the article said that this attacker group was most likely gaining access to inboxes by bribing insiders, but Proton shouldn't work that way. So I did reach out to ProtonMail about this and ProtonMail did get back to me and commented on the article. They did confirm that an insider would not have access to your ProtonMail inbox. They also kind of pointed out something that I had missed, that the whole bribing insiders thing was just one proposed explanation. Nobody actually knew for sure how it was being done. That was one theory, but there are others. So it is possible that these attackers took a variety of methods. You know, maybe bribing insiders was one way they did it. But in order to get Proton mailboxes, they would have had to have had the credentials directly. And of course, they did comment on that. If that were the case, you would want to make sure you have two-factor enabled because then that would still keep the attackers out even if they had your credentials. So moral of the story, Proton is still secure as far as we know and enable two-factor. I would also just like to take this moment to point out that last week when I covered this story, I said realism and don't panic and things like that, and this is why. It's not that I was trying to ignore the possibility of foul play, it's the fact that we didn't have all the facts at that time, and now we do, or at least we have more than we did. It's not that I was trying to be blindly loyal to Proton or trying to say, like, just ignore any suspicious flags, it's that I was trying to keep expectations in check because remember we're covering these stories every week as they happen which means sometimes we don't have all the details which means if we rush to conclusions we are liable to make claims that may not necessarily be true so thank you guys for thinking critically i'm sorry if it came off as me trying to say don't think critically please do think critically but just remember sometimes we don't have all the facts and we have to keep that in mind as these stories continue to unfold 
Moving on to our next data breach, HPE says Aruba customer data was compromised after a breach. Aruba is a subsidiary of HPE. They provide networking gear like wireless access points and network security for companies. Through their dashboard, Aruba Central, companies can centrally monitor and manage their Wi-Fi networks. A quote, unauthorized person used a private key to gain access to customer data, unquote. Specifically data about the devices that were connected to Aruba customer Wi-Fi networks like Mac and IP address, device hostname and OS, and in some cases, even username and email address. Aruba says that they do store this data in an encrypted format, but since the attacker had the private key, there is a possibility it was decrypted. As with most companies, they're being a little bit squirrely. They're not giving us exact numbers on how many people have been compromised. If we hear anything, we'll let you know. I guess the good news is that it doesn't look like any actual content of what they were doing on the Wi-Fi network was stolen. Unfortunately, this is enough information that some people may be able to determine like locations. Moral of the story is even though public Wi-Fi is generally considered a little bit safer than it used to be these days because of things like mobile VPNs and HTTPS and stuff like that, there are still some risks. So whenever you connect to any kind of public Wi-Fi, make sure you understand that even when you're minimizing risks, there's still risks. Make sure that they fit your threat model. And as always, ask yourself if you even need to connect in the first place. And our last data breach comes from Utah, where Utah Imaging Associates, which was a radiology center, was hit by a data breach that affected 582,000 patients. Data included first and last names, mailing address, dates of birth, social security numbers, health insurance policy numbers, and medical information such as treatments, diagnoses, and prescriptions. The information, so far as we can tell, has not yet been posted publicly, but that doesn't mean it's not being shared around. It could just be being done in private instead of just post on a message board, hey, I got this information, who wants it? Defenses against these ones, don't lie to your doctor. Don't ever, ever lie to your doctor. Mailing address, use a PO box. Date of birth and social, freeze your credit. Unfortunately, there's not much you can do against the rest of that stuff. I've said it before, this is what really sucks about medical data breaches is don't ever, ever lie to your doctor because you need to get the right treatment. But at the same time, that information is so sensitive. There's just no winning on that one. All right, sorry if that bummed anybody out. Let's move into companies. We're gonna start with Google, where Chrome 97 has removed individual cookie controls from their privacy and security settings. It used to be that Chrome allowed you to remove individual cookies stored by sites. So I could go to Tutanota and I could go into my settings and I could say, oh, I wanna keep this one that keeps me logged in, but I wanna get rid of these other ones. Well, they are now changing that to make it site-wide. So when I go to Tutanota, I can either delete all the cookies or keep all of them. This mostly affects developers because developers are typically the ones who are trying to experiment a lot and try and delete different cookies and see what functionality is there. However, I think this is worth sharing because it shows that unfortunately users are losing a degree of customization and control. This is your periodic reminder to get away from Chrome, use Brave if you must have a Chrome-like browser or use Firefox. I know back in the day, like Chrome was the fast, lightweight browser. Some of you might be surprised that that's not really the case anymore. Chrome is really bloated. Our next story comes from Amazon and has to do with their palm scanning technology as well as music. So the headline says, Tom Morello signs open letter denouncing Amazon's palm scanning concert tech. For those who don't know, Tom Morello is a very famous guitarist. He's best known for Rage Against the Machine. And um, if you don't know who that is, I guess rock just is not your style. What's going on here is in the past, we have talked about Amazon's Amazon One palm recognition payment feature. This is something they've been rolling out mostly in Seattle at certain stores where you basically use palm recognition to pay for stuff. There is a real really, really famous concert venue in Colorado called Red Rocks. It's like super famous. Like every genre of music you can think, all the big names have played there. Red Rocks, unfortunately, is planning to roll out Amazon One payment as part
part of their thing instead of a ticket. They say that it's supposed to be faster and safer and more hygienic. I don't know how it's more hygienic to like put your hand on the same surface that everyone else keeps touching instead of just showing somebody a piece of paper, but whatever. At any rate, over 200 artists, among them Tom Morello, which is why he's in the headline, have signed an open letter decrying this and pushing back against it. I'm going to quote parts of the letter. It says, the new technology runs the risk of transforming these spaces into hotspots for ICE raids. That's uh, Immigration's Customs uh, Enforcement, I think. Border Patrol, basically. False arrests, police harassment, and stolen identities. Introducing palm scanning devices is a slap in the face to fans and artists that have fought so hard to promote safety for everyone at live events. It's simply a matter of time before we hear of cases of palm scans misidentifying people in ways that facial recognition has, often with violent and life-altering consequences. But most concerning of all is the fact that this new technology will make the data of thousands of people vulnerable to ongoing government tracking and abuse and malicious hackers, unquote. Fight for the Future is the organization that kind of spearheaded this initiative and they didn't just pick on the government. They also expressed a lot of concerns about Amazon. As most of you listening know, Amazon is a garbage company and they are obsessed with stealing all your data and knowing everything about you and stalking you to a really uncomfortable and creepy degree. However, it does not end there. Starbucks is also linking up with Amazon for a cashierless cafe. This links into another Amazon product that we have discussed in the past called Amazon Go. It's like an Amazon convenience store kind of, and they had a ton of cameras and AI everywhere. So the idea was you walk in, you grab whatever you want, you walk out using the cameras and everything. They recognize what you bought and they just charge you for it later. A Starbucks in New York is now piloting this technology in response to the labor shortage, and they plan to open at least two more in 2022. So there is a silver lining, I, I mean, sort of, customers can can pay via the app. And then there's a counter near the door where you can just grab your coffee and go. And you can order and pay and everything through the app and you avoid Amazon altogether. At that point, you're still dealing with the Starbucks app and all those trackers, but at least you get to cut Amazon out of the mix. Otherwise, you can use a credit card, the Amazon app, or Amazon One to go into the store and pay. Last but not least, we're going to round all of this out with an article called Amazon Wages Secret War on Americans' Privacy. I'm going to quote the article. In recent years, Amazon.com Inc. has killed or undermined privacy protections in more than three dozen bills across 25 states. This article basically just goes through all of the times that Amazon has directly influenced American politics for their own benefit and 99% of the time, our detriment as the average people. If you're new to why I say Amazon is a terrible company, please read this. I mean, this is just the tip of the iceberg. There's also like the way they treat workers and the way they kill small businesses. Everything about Amazon is absolutely horrendous. Please, if you are using Amazon, stop using Amazon. But yeah, go ahead and read this if you're new to this stuff. And this is a great article to pass on to other people. Again, I know that's not really anything new to the veterans of the crowd, but it's a great article and it's from a reputable source. So you can send it out to family and friends who may not be aware of this stuff. Our next story. So this one's a little bit older, but Henry wanted to include this story because we're starting to see more and more of this stuff. The headline says that freezer is watching you. There is a Chicago based startup called Cooler Screens, and they are using technology to turn store cooler screens like the kind where you go into the gas station and they got all the drinks in the cooler and you open the door and grab a drink. And they're trying to turn that into ad space because why not? That's what we need. Just more unnecessary advertising. Just ads everywhere, bro. 
not to derail, but it makes me think of Futurama where Fry has a dream that's basically an ad. And then when he wakes up and he's talking to everybody else about it, back in my time, there were never ads in your dreams. They were just on TV and radio and newspapers and magazines and billboards and bus stops and the sides of cars. We're getting there. Anyways, back on topic. These cooler doors, the way they work is they use cameras, motion sensors, and eye trackers to guess your gender, age, and how much time you spent looking at certain products. I'm assuming they're probably trying to guess more information. So that's what they admitted to guessing. Allegedly, these things can even detect your emotional response to products. So if it sees you look at Coca-Cola and you kind of make an ew face, then it's going to show you Pepsi. The company claims that this data is anonymized and is not stored on the device. Are they collecting it back home? Are they just making general guesses? The point is, if they are telling the truth, that means these ads are not going to be very accurate. And who knows what kind of weird, crazy stuff they might show you that you're not interested in or even offended by. And uh, on the other hand, they probably are tracking a lot of stuff inaccurate because nobody pays for non-targeted advertising anymore. Why would they go through all the trouble of introducing this data to not have targeted ads? That just doesn't make any sense to me. The article points out that there are other companies out there like Walmart and Sunglass Hut that are already using technology just like this for various purposes. Some of them are using it for anti-theft technology. Some of them are using it for advertising. On a personal note, I actually did see somebody on Reddit showing off this technology a few months ago. It's so much worse than just unnecessary advertising because the person shows that they went up to the cooler and it showed all the drinks and so they opened it to get a drink and there were literally like two bottles. The shelves were empty. So it makes it even harder to shop. Our next company is from Utah. They are called iDetect and they say they have revolutionized truth telling technology. For those who don't know, just a little context for the story. Polygraphs suck. They're not even allowed in court. That's how bad they are. And there's some pretty questionable stuff allowed in court. They measure your stress response. That's all a polygraph does. And who isn't going to be stressed out when they're being grilled by the cops for a crime, whether they committed it or not. This company I detect is now claiming they have a new way to tell if someone's telling the truth by using AI to track your eye movements while they're asking you questions. As you can probably guess, critics are saying this is just a high tech polygraph test. This is still terrible. This still sucks. It's just snake oil with a new high tech skin. I'm going to let you guys read the article because I think this article actually does a really good job of laying out both sides of the arguments. Like they'll say, here's iDetect's claim that sounds convincing, but here's the counter argument, but here's iDetect's other proof and here's the counter argument. So I'll let you guys read that. I don't think it's going to be limited just to polygraph tests. I think this is the kind of thing that's going to be rolled out in more and more places if it gets embraced. And our last company story comes from DuckDuckGo who wants to stop apps from tracking you on Android. The title kind of says it all. DuckDuckGo is currently testing this thing in beta. It's called App Tracking Protection for Android. And essentially, this aims to be the Android version of Apple's app tracking transparency, which is something we've talked about quite a bit. If you are using the DuckDuckGo browser app on Android, you can go into the settings and join the waitlist. What it's supposed to do is it's supposed to run in the background and just block all kinds of trackers automatically. I'm actually not the world's biggest DuckDuckGo fanboy. Like I don't hate DuckDuckGo like some people do, but one thing I really do like about DuckDuckGo is that they're making all of this stuff so easily accessible. The DuckDuckGo app, for example, allows you to replace the Google search widget, which is so convenient and easy that up until recently, my partner was using Google search because the widget was just there on the home screen. We just found out that there's the DuckDuckGo thing and now she's using that instead. They make privacy really easy. That's what I'm trying to say. I think this is a good thing personally because it's another way to stop tracking and make privacy more accessible to the mainstream. So DuckDuckGo is not a perfect company, but I think this is really cool. And I think it's great that Android is finally getting a little bit more privacy protection that they haven't had before. Kind of sucks that it requires you to download an app, even if you're not going to use that app for anything other than that. But still, at least it's becoming easily accessible.
That was our last company story. We're going to move into research, and we're going to start with DDR4 memory protections are broken wide open by new Rowhammer technique. This is kind of the running theme this week. This is another story that's building on something we've discussed before. There is a type of attack that causes what's called bit flipping. From what I understand, being not an electrical engineer or programmer of any kind, basically what it does is the attacker will overload your RAM and causes the other RAM sticks nearby to occasionally flip bits. So a one will turn into a zero or a zero will turn into one, which thereby changes the data. Depending on what data is changed, this could do things like allow attackers to access data or give them elevated privileges. From what I understand from the article, the first time that this stuff was discovered, there were mitigations that were found and created, but this new research has found ways around those. So it's just kind of the eternal cat and mouse. Now, the good news is the article says that this is probably not something you're gonna run into in the wild at this time. But the beauty of letting researchers find these kinds of weaknesses before the attackers do is hopefully now they can take this research and fix that stuff before it becomes common and inexpensive and easy for attackers to do. Our next story comes from Apple, where a patent has revealed a new privacy feature to show iPhone content only through special glasses. It's kind of like a privacy screen, or um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen, a, I think I had one that came in a cereal box one time. It's like these special like colored glasses that you put them on, and then what it does is it filters out all the other colors, so when you look at the cereal box without them, it's just red scribbles everywhere. But then you put on the glasses and you can see the special message because they're filtering out all the red, and now you can see. Yeah, it's kind of like that, which actually I think is really cool. They also submitted a patent for Face ID profiles, which, opens the possibility of having multiple users or multiple profiles on a single phone. The thing is, they haven't actually said anything about these technologies. It could just be them submitting a patent and maybe they'll use it someday, maybe they won't. That's actually a very, very common thing with companies. Just know that these things exist and companies are looking at them. And if we hear any more, we'll let you know. Our next study, this is a really good paper. It's only 18 pages long. If you have the time, I definitely recommend you check it out. The title says, Online Website Fingerprinting, Evaluating the Website Fingerprinting Attacks on Tor in the Real World. For those of you who don't know, the Tor browser is not perfect. There are ways it can be traced. Generally speaking, these are very difficult and expensive, and unless you're causing a lot of trouble, they probably will not be used on you. These researchers decided to study and see exactly how realistic are some of these fingerprinting attacks, because just because something exists in research as a proof of concept doesn't mean that it's easy or feasible and would work on scale. I'm gonna quote the abstract of the article. By studying website fingerprinting under realistic conditions, we demonstrate that an adversary can achieve a web fingerprinting classification accuracy above 95% when monitoring a small set of five popular websites. So when they're only monitoring five websites, they can probably fingerprint you with 95% accuracy. But that accuracy quickly degrades to less than 80% when monitoring as few as 25 websites. We conclude that although web fingerprinting attacks may be possible, it is likely infeasible to carry them out in the real world while monitoring more than a small set of websites. In other words, if you use Tor browser as your daily browser, you are probably relatively safe if you're using it correctly, of course. Unless somebody is really targeting you specifically and using more than just fingerprinting, you're probably safe from just fingerprinting. Our next study says when it comes to bad passwords, gender stereotypes prevail. So this study looked at those lists of top passwords that we always see, and they decided to see what differences they noticed between men and women. 
there were a lot of similarities. For example, the abysmal one, two, three, four, five, six. That's pretty common among both men and women. But there are also interesting differences. Women tend to use passwords like sunshine, I love you, and princess, while men use things like baseball, football, and dragon. The part that I found was interesting was there's also some cultural differences. They noted, for example, in the UK, men and women both use football-related passwords, like Liverpool, for example. But they noted that, for example, men are more likely to use that password than women. So yeah, this is just a really interesting study. I encourage you guys to take a look at it. It's, I don't know, I just thought it was interesting and worth sharing. Our next study is a little less amusing. It says, is your company secretly monitoring your work at home? So we all know there's been a rise in work from home technology ever since the pandemic. This is a survey from ExpressVPN and Pullfish. They found that one fifth of employers, one out of five employers, which is 20% of employers, do not tell their employees about remote surveillance software on their machines. Fortunately, we just mentioned last week that I think New York has now made that illegal and employers have to tell them if there's something like that. But unfortunately, that's only New York. The article just kind of explores this. They go on to explain how employees may not be aware of the capabilities of the software. Even if they suspect their software, they may not realize what exactly it is capable of and they may think that it can't do things that it actually can. To me, that just shows a lack of trust of like, I don't want you to know that I can spy on you because I know that you'll behave differently and I'm just a piece of crap that wants to see what you're actually like all the time. That's just a red flag, find a new job. I hear everybody's hiring right now. Our last research story comes from Proton VPN, where they have created a digital freedom index. They use public data from Reporters Without Borders and Freedom House to rank countries via their digital freedom. The data that they studied included media freedom, obstacles to access, limits on content, the legality of pornography, and other metrics. For those who are interested, the top 20 countries are in order, Sweden, Portugal, Switzerland, Iceland, Estonia, Spain, Canada, Romania, Poland, Germany, France, UK, Australia, US, Italy, South Africa, Japan, Georgia, Argentina, and Hungary. It is a great article. It's got lots of easy to look at infographics. I encourage you to check it out. That does it for research. We will now move into politics. And in a total reversal of last week, I only have one political story for you guys this week. This article is about the FBI sending fake emails. This happened like right after we recorded surveillance report last week. So we didn't have time to throw it in. The FBI got quote unquote hacked. Someone sent out a bunch of emails from the FBI. Now, the interesting thing here is these were not spoofed. These really did come from the FBI. Fortunately, these people were not malicious because they totally could have done some real damage with this. Instead, they just kind of sent out a bunch of subtle, funny emails like poking fun at the incident and making fun of the FBI and kind of bragging about themselves. Like some of them were actually kind of fun to read. Now, the reason I say quote unquote hacked is because this wasn't an attack. This was, as usual, the FBI screwing up. This was made possible because there's something called the Law Enforcement Enterprise Portal, which is, from what I understand, it's it's a place for law enforcement agencies to sign up and share data with the FBI. So it's, it's a tool to help law enforcement agencies in their investigations. There's a lot of articles and videos explaining how this worked. Long story short, someone was able to sign up for this without actually validating that they were in law enforcement, which essentially gave them the credentials to send emails as the FBI. This wasn't so much a hack as it was crappy design, which is kind of the norm when it comes to the government. The FBI has since fixed this vulnerability, so hopefully this will not happen again. It's also a lesson that you gotta think critically about everything. It's not good enough to just say, oh, this is from someone I trust, let me go ahead and click on it. You still gotta think about it and be like, mm, let me read this email, let me see, was I actually expecting an email? Does this line up with this person's thing? With that, we will move into free and open source news, FOSS. We're gonna start with Firefox, who has upped their Relay. A while back, Firefox launched this product called Relay, which is email aliases. You get five of them for free. Well, they are now announcing a premium tier that will give you more 
aliases, as many as unlimited, depending on which tier you get. And you can even get a subdomain. So I could get like the new oil dot like MZLLA or something dot com. Currently, the price for this premium feature is only a dollar a month, but it is believed that this is probably an introductory price and that it's almost certainly going to go up in the coming months. Presumably, they will raise the price on existing users, but we'll find out. Currently, this is only available in Canada, the US, UK, Malaysia, Singapore, New Zealand, Austria, Belgium, France, Germany, Ireland, the Netherlands, Spain, and Switzerland. So if you live in any of those countries, you got a dollar to spare, you want to check it out, go for it. Our next story comes from Brave and the University of California in San Diego, who have announced a new product called Sugarcoat, which is, quote, a new solution to strengthen the protection of web users' privacy while not breaking websites, unquote. Honestly, that basically says it all. The way this works is that Brave and UC San Diego have come up with, um, I'm assuming an AI, because they said this is all automated. They are looking for tracking scripts. They are looking for which tracking scripts are necessary for a page to work. And then they are basically copying those scripts, removing the tracking portion, and then serving them to avoid breaking websites, which for those of us who block tracking content, especially like really aggressively block that stuff, you've probably seen a lot of websites break. This is definitely an issue and it's really cool to see them taking action on that and trying to do something with it. And as a bonus, Brave has said that when they create these tracking free scripts, they're actually gonna share those with the world. So anybody else who wants to do this will have that ability. And our last FOSS story, Briar 1.4 is released. This is for our hardcore privacy enthusiasts who like Briar. So some of the major developments in Briar 1.4, you can now share the app without accessing the internet, which is great if you're in a really sensitive area or you're in like a natural disaster where you don't have internet access. You can also save encrypted messages to USB sticks or SD cards and physically transfer them to someone else. Briar is getting really hardcore. And finally, let's move on to our Misfits section. Our first story says fake end-to-end encrypted chat app distributes Android spyware. This is a spyware called Gravity Rat, which is a remote access Trojan, and it was distributed via a fake app called So Safe Chat. It appears to have come from Pakistan and was primarily targeting high-level Indian individuals like military officers. This remote access Trojan could read SMS, call logs and contacts data, change or modify system settings, read the cell network info, read your phone number, serial number, call status and phone accounts, read or write files on the external storage, record audio, get your location and more. So the moral of the story, stick to the vetted stuff and check your sources. Don't just trust anything that claims to use military grade encryption, which means nothing, by the way. I know we've laughed at that in the past. For the record, I know that almost sounds like we're kind of creating an anti-competitive atmosphere where we're saying, you know, oh, there's this new chat app. Don't trust it. There are new products. Signal was new once upon a time. Session was new once upon a time. Matrix was new once upon a time. We're not saying that there can't be new products. What we are saying is you really have to take them carefully because stuff like this happens all the time. We're not saying never trust anybody. We're just saying do your research, vet the app, see if it's open source, get other people's opinions on it, people that you trust who understand technology and know how this stuff works. Don't blindly rush into everything because it's got some marketing buzzwords on the website. Our next article, the headline says allegations of bigotry and calls for impeachment rock college Democrats. So this is an interesting article and it is obviously heavily political 
as it concerns the college Democrat program. But the real story here and the reason I wanted to share this is this is something that people like me have been talking about forever. For the record, I don't know if maybe this stuff has actually happened before, but this is the first article that I've seen that's actually citing real examples of it. The basic premise of this article is that the dumb things people did as kids are now coming back to haunt them. This article is riddled with stories primarily of tweets costing people important positions that could have helped be career builders. So we're talking about people who were looking to be leaders of their college Democrat program. And then it comes to light that they used a slur back on a tweet like 10 years ago. This is something that I know I've talked about this a lot and I've heard it talked about, but I've never actually seen anybody who has actually been affected by this, not to my knowledge. And I'm I'm sure this is not the first story. I'm sure there are others, but here's one if you're like me and you haven't seen one. The moral of the story is that we're moving into a world of permanent records. Anything you post online has the potential to be there forever. And unfortunately, we live in a culture where we are penalizing people for being young and doing stupid things and making mistakes. That's the world we live in now, where if you have, especially young people in your life, you know, siblings or children, it sucks because you want to teach them to be independent and you want to give them the room to fail and grow. But unfortunately, we're moving into a world where failure can follow them for the rest of their lives, even if it's something stupid that was done years and years and years ago, because this is going to become more and more of a problem as life goes on. And as information becomes more complete, people who are born today will never live in a world where this information was not constantly broadcast to the world. And as it becomes more indexable and more accessible, our next article says resisting the panopticon. And this comes from, I gather from context from a teacher who talks about how his university partnered with an online learning platform called Panopto, which is an interesting choice of name. Online education is not bad. There's nothing wrong with that. The problem is this program takes it a little too far. For one, this made every class digital by default. By digital, what I mean is every class was recorded. So basically the way that this program works is the school installs cameras in every single classroom and records every single lesson, which leads into problem number two. That means that every remark, every question, Everything that happens in that classroom now becomes a permanent digital record, which we just talked about a second ago. It's just gonna have that chilling effect on free speech. How many people are gonna be afraid to ask questions or offer suggestions when they know that any stupid thing they say is gonna live forever and possibly publicly accessible on the internet? And our last story, keeping with the theme this week, talking about things we've talked about in the past, the headline says, Jonesboro woman finds something unexpected in her car. It was an air tag. She found an air tag. This woman, who obviously did not want to be named, was out shopping for the holidays. When she got into her car, her phone went off and said, hey, there's an air tag nearby. And she's like, I don't have an air tag. So she went looking for it and she found it in her trunk. She has no idea where it came from or who put it there. No idea what they wanted. The article is suggesting that this is quite common and the officer that they spoke to said he wouldn't be surprised if we see a spike in this stuff around the holidays. People go to the mall, they buy stuff, you plant a cheap tracker on their car, and then you know where they live. And then after Christmas Day, you can go rob them for their nice expensive TV. This is something that we've warned about as well as many, many other privacy advocates that this stuff is going to be abused to stalk people and is probably a terrible idea. And sure enough, sucks to know the future sometimes. All right, that was all of our news for this report. I'm sorry it was a little bit depressing. Unfortunately, these are things that you have to know about and we have to keep up to date on. We have the spread of Amazon One. We had good news from DuckDuckGo and Brave about how to make it easier to protect your privacy for non-techie normal people. 
We had some really fascinating research. I really liked that Proton VPN one. I don't know why. Maybe it's just because they had really pretty infographics. As with everything, if we hear any updates, we will keep you guys updated in addition to bringing you fresh new stories next week. Once again, our promo spot this week is Trezor. Trezor is a hardware cryptocurrency wallet. Please, 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 please do not keep your cryptocurrency on the exchange unless you are in the active process of trading it. If you're holding on to it, put it in a crypto wallet, put it somewhere safe, take it offline. And Trezor is a good choice. We will have both an affiliate and non-affiliate link in the description. Thank you for listening to Surveillance Report. We are happy to know that you're trying to stay safe out there. And the last way that you can support us is to share the podcast around. If you are not subscribed, go ahead and subscribe. Leave us a rating if you're on a platform that can do that. Every little bit you do helps us spread privacy to as many people as possible. And the more people are aware of privacy and security and the more people that act on this stuff, the more we all win. Thank you so much for listening and we will see you next week.